Hello, everyone, and welcome to Global Gurus. For every Friday, we explore stories of international business and speak with industry leaders operating around the world. I'm your host, Philip Auerbach of Auerbach International. Thank you for joining us. As many of you may know, we start each podcast with a running segment called Faux Pas Fridays, where we explore a funny blooper or a mistranslation that does not quite convey the professional image that your organization wants to project. And since today's guest works all around the world, including in Asia, um, I thought it would be appropriate to give you a sign in a Tokyo bar that said very simply in English, special cocktails for the ladies with nuts. Today's guest is Lainey Denslow. Uh, Lainey founded Worldwide Intercultural Training and Resources in 2000 after observing that culture, which is shared beliefs, expectations, and practices, vary significantly around the world and profoundly influences the conduct of business. Her firm provides customized interactive workshops for professionals, providing the information they need to navigate culture differences to show up in today's complex, fast-moving business environments. Her mission is to ensure that her clients understand the fundamental aspects of culture, the key differences, and how they shape common business activities. And these range from what it means to be on time to contract negotiations and relationship building. And today, relationships are the key to doing business everywhere. Understanding cultural differences is essential. And with that in mind, Worldwise offers a series of programs offering practical pointers, ranging from how to manage a networking event, host a client dinner, and be seen as polite and professional in both business and social settings. Lainey is the author of the book, Worldwise, What to Know Before You Go, Before You Go, which is by Fairchild Bloomsbury Books, and the co-author of Working with Americans, published by Routledge in London. Welcome, Lainey. Delighted that you're with us. Thank you very much, Philip. It's a, ple a pleasure and an honor to have been invited to share with you this Friday morning. Thank you. So before we dive in, could you tell us a bit about your background and how you grew up and how you gained your global experience and how you came to start your company? Uh, thank you. This question actually made me think about my background in a different way. And I realized that my first encounter with cultural differences in a personal way was in the fifth grade, because my family moved from Seattle, Washington, all the way across the country to Nashville, Tennessee. Oh, wow. And, yeah. And <laughs> thinking about it today, I realized I never thought about it as cultural differences till I was getting ready for this podcast. But it certainly was a different culture. And by the time I was... 15, we'd lived in Seattle, Nashville, Washington, D.C., and back to Seattle. And I think in a way, maybe that spurred some of my curiosity about how people do things differently. In terms of not just growing up and living around the U.S., I also was fortunate to live in Paris, go to school and work there as an adult, not as a child. And my background, it's not all international. I have what one of my friends called a portfolio career, which means I've had really three different careers in my life. I consider that 
very fortunate. I started out in the real estate development business in California. I ended up not staying in Seattle, but coming to California. And I've lived both in Southern and Northern California, two different cultures themselves. Mm -hmm. So I was in the real estate development business, loved it, thought that it was becoming global. I was intrigued by that. Took myself to graduate school to get a master's in international business and an MBA. Thought I'd go into the real estate business. Didn't happen that way. Got recruited to be the director of international affairs for the Fashion Institute of Design and Merchandising, a private college here in California. And that was my in-depth international experience being launched because I worked with the consular corps, the foreign trade community, had the opportunity to develop specialized programs from people from outside the U.S. And a lot of it was study abroad with college students. So I could have all kinds of stories that I could tell you about, especially young women, 18 to 22, 23 years old, who'd never been outside the U.S., Part of my work was to take them to London, Paris, Rome, into Asia, and some of them had ne never been on an airplane, much less been outside the U United States. So I did that at the same time I was developing the worldwide business, which I've continued since I've left FITM. So that's my brief, I hope brief enough, background statement. <laughs> That's fascinating. Um, I, I was intrigued when you talked about moving from Seattle to Nashville. Um, I was raised in, in a upper middle class uh, suburb of Philadelphia. And when I was going into 11th grade, my parents moved to a small place called Pottstown, Pennsylvania. And I hope that the um, mayor of Pottstown will forgive me. But at the time, I described it as physically 40 miles from Philadelphia, but mentally 400 miles from Philadelphia. <laughs> and I don't think it's that way quite as badly anymore, but to some extent, it still is. <laughs> yes, it's a difference. It, it's, uh, and it's quite an experience to navigate it when you're the child and you just go with the family, right? Yeah, exactly. And have to make all kinds of adjustments um, both, you know, both um, you know, psychologically, of course, but also mentally and, you know, different kinds of friends and assumptions of what reality is and what people know or what they don't know. It's really very fascinating in that way. Yes, yeah, so I think in a way we've shared that experience. And I think saying that it was fascinating is from this perspective, because I don't know about for you, but I found living it was not so attractive at some, at some points. But yes, looking back, what a great experience and great friends still in touch with one of my friends from the seventh grade. I can't imagine that. Yeah. And for me, it was also a wonderful experience socially because it exposed me to people that people and backgrounds and ways of thinking that, of course, I had never been exposed to. And that Absolutely. helped to launch me on my international and intercultural career. Yeah. So it was wonderful. So we, we, were, we were fortunate without even knowing it. Yes, definitely. At the time, I thought my parents were crazy, but it turned out. <laughs> 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 <Yeah>. Yes. <laughs> Well said.
<laughs> so of the many ventures that you've had um, in, in your business, which do you feel would be perhaps the most successful and what made them so? The one that I always think about that was the most successful goes back to doing a workshop in Texas for a um, trucking firm who wanted a um, workshop on introduction to cultural differences. Uh, my expectations about what I'd found were all wrong. It was quite a sophisticated group. And the workshop went well. They were a great, engaged group. And afterwards, the VP of sales said to me, I have some thoughts that I want to talk to you about, and I'll call you. And off he went to another meeting. And off I went back to San Jose. And a few days later, he did call and said he was bringing a salesman into the firm to be based in Seattle from Italy. A guy's name was Antonio, and he'd never worked in the U.S. before. And the sales VP, Danny, said to me, I never thought about having to do anything special to onboard him until I listened to you talk today. Mm. And can't is there something we could do or I should be thinking about doing that would be different? And that was just extraordinary to be able to have and think of of having opened somebody's mind in a different way. Mm -hmm. And we decided that they would assign someone to be his mentor to help him understand some of what wouldn't be obvious to him. And more than that, to recognize that this is a sophisticated person they, that was coming with special interests. So he knew he was a soccer fan, a wine collector, that he was coming with his wife. Mm-hmm. So they, Danny ended up deciding to give him season tickets and some swag for the professional soccer team. Wow. To have that in his hotel room, a collection of Washington State wines and set up a tour of a winery for Antonio and his wife so that they would both feel welcome and see that things that were important to them at home existed in their new environment. And for me, that was a huge success of being able to contribute to making a difference for somebody. That's marvelous. It's just, yeah, that's so fulfilling to see the immediate gratification that way. Yeah, it was extraordinary. It's still, I think, a favorite of mine. Yeah, definitely. Um, okay, perhaps you can set, share another success story, another one that, um, you know, another wonderful venture that you were involved with. I, I can't. You know, off the top of my head, I can't think. Well, I can think of little more snippets. That's fine. Doing a workshop, and I don't have to tell you at all that one of the big cultural differences is how people communicate. And one of the things that I hear from Americans, especially who are first introduced to this idea of culture shaping how you communicate, is those people 
they just write all these emails that go on forever and they want to know how your kids were and how was your weekend. And I still remember in a workshop after talking about the why behind those communications that are not just so transactional, this woman said, oh, my goodness, now I understand why they write those crazy emails. They're not so crazy after all. (laughs) Okay, this is this will change her view of how she connects with her colleagues who I think were from Brazil. And anyway, so. Yes, that's the kind of thing that for me, sometimes it's a small thing that I know. Sounds like let me try that again. Sounds like a small thing, but I understand it as a shift in thinking that's going to make a difference. Yes, definitely, especially in a family-oriented culture like Brazil. It's very important. Right. So, yeah. Um, Perhaps you could also share the opposite, which is some business blunders. Uh, business blunders, cultural blunders that you've encountered, and I'm sure you you could write a book about those. <laughs> you've done well, as soon as I read that question, and you were kind enough to send a list of questions that we might touch, I had visions of being in a restaurant in, I think, in Beijing, in China for sure, but I think in Beijing, because. One of the projects that I worked on was a special program for textile and garment, the Textile and Garment Association in China. And they had come to the college to fit them to see if we could develop a special product development program for them. And I worked with their consultant and with the head of the association, who was Mr. Pan, and the consultant was Sydney. So Sydney and Mr. Pan and I did a tour of a half a dozen cities in China to talk about this program that we were offering. And they were absolutely fantastic people to work with. And it was a great program. And the trip was interesting and fun and, you know, all those great things. And this was the last lunch. And there were a number of people at the lunch. And I wanted to express my appreciation in front of everyone for all the work that Mr. Pan had done as the head of the association. And he was also the senior person at the table. And so knowing that in China, seniority, the older people are respected and honored, I thought it would be appropriate to express my thanks to him first. So I did a very nice little toast. Everybody toasted. Then there is a moment and Sydney sort of giggled. That's not a good sign. And said to the group, I want you to understand that one thing I know about Lainey is that she always wants to know if there's something that's done differently here in China than in the U.S., so I, she will be happy to have me explain to her. And at that moment, you can imagine, I'm not breathing. <laughs> She'll be happy to have me explain to her that although it was very gracious to offer the thanks to Mr. Pan, she really should have offered the first toast to Mr. Lee, who represents the government, oh. who is going to be helping with the funding of this adventure. Now, 
I don't usually blush, but I'm sure my face was bright red that day. And I was horrified, but also grateful because he explained to people why I made what they might have seen as a blunder, a mistake, even an insult, and that he he saved me a level of embarrassment by that that explanation. So that was the blunder. That was the save, I suppose, and the kindness, even though in the moment I was just mortified. <laughs> Yeah, like the old Southwest commercial, I just want to get away. <laughs> right. That's fascinating. So was this Mr. Lee, the Communist Party minder? Was he really involved with what you were doing or was he in the back? It was not really clear. And it wasn't something to be explored. Mm. He, he had been um, he had been at the presentation we made that morning, I think, vetting us. And of course, I practiced my presentation. They kind of coached me on what to say. And I did my presentation in English, and then they translated it into Chinese. And I had, it was quite clear that they had given a different presentation than the one I gave, but there was nothing I could do about it. So they were, um, you know, they were making sure that everything was appropriately focused and said. That's fascinating. It's, it's wonderful. It's wonderful that, you know, of course, you had that experience and that uh, your colleague, Sydney, saved you in that way. Yeah. And, um, and I think that's one of the things that makes a difference is if you connect with somebody who's part of the culture, they can guide you in a number of different ways. Right. Absolutely. Yes. Um, and that sort of leads to another question of, what do you think people need to learn or to experience to thrive in doing international business? I think it really begins with your outlook, your mindset. You know, now there's a lot of talk about developing a global mindset, but really, I think it's um, three things is maybe four recognizing that there are going to be differences but also that there are going to be similarities that you can find if you look. Mm. And being curious, open, open to the idea of discovering what might be different or similar to your expectations of how you do things. And being willing to learn and adapt, not change who you are, but know when there's a time to shift how you communicate. Maybe you write about how your weekend was, mm. not just please answer my question. Right. Build that relationship. But I think the first thing to th- be able to thrive in an international world is to be curious, to be open. Yeah, that's fascinating. Um, if you are adjusting to a new culture for the first time, what do you think you need to study up on? Or what resources would you use to study up on something? Well, you could call me. <laughs> of course, because that's your business. <laughs> but setting aside that silly answer, really there, once you 
have the idea that there are cultural differences, there's a wealth of resources. If you look online, there are companies who do training programs, there are consultants, there are great books that like uh, Kiss, Bow and Shake Hands, which is a wonderful resource as an introduction to the idea of cultural differences. And the woman who um, is the author is, you know, really cares and is very creative. The other thing is there are resources, there are if you're talking about their consulates, their embassies, mm. there are organizations, maybe a French American Chamber of Commerce in your city that is all about building relationships and bu- businesses. There are lots of what we I'd call dual named chambers of commerce. Mm-hmm. So there are a wealth of resources, but it all begins with your own openness to the idea that there are things to be learned. Absolutely. That sounds fascinating. You're right. Um, Could you share with us another blunder that you've encountered, either one of your, that you know of from your own company or someone else's? Because you've got this wealth of information about doing business internationally and surely um, what you emphasize are both the similarities and the differences. Actually, I think another blunder came from a different trip to China, my first trip to China. I think some of my own blunder was probably not recognizing that everybody around me probably spoke English. And so whatever I said, and even when we used to take students to Paris, one thing I used to tell them is... When you're on the subway, remember that everybody can hear what you say and they all understand you. So don't talk about that woman's ugly green dress unless you want her and everyone else to know that. Oh, my God. I can think about being on a. Yeah, don't get me started. A more serious one is. um, And this is one I've read about but I've seen it in different forms is that Americans tend to be very independent. So when we travel, we're also very independent and there are, Oh, I can. Okay. I'll tell you this story and then we'll see if we have time for another one of, um, I have to stop for a minute, sort out the story for a second. Sure. But it's about, having a a delegation from another country come to see your company. So let's say you have a delegation coming from someplace in Latin America and they come to see you in San Jose. Send a car to pick them up. Do Mm. not think that they should be like we Americans who I'll figure out how to get to the hotel. Don't want to bother anyone. It's a sign of respect and welcome to make sure that you pick them up, you take them to the hotel, you make sure they're settled in. And then if I'm advising in Americans, I tell them, no matter how tired you are, you still have to say yes to going to dinner. Mm. Because when you arrive in a new city, someone invites you to dinner, you should say yes. Even if you'd rather be back in your hotel room, checking your email and going to bed. Right. It's about building the relationship. 
saying thank you. Yeah, the relationship and the trust and the rapport. So yeah. business then can flow from that. Absolutely. And that is the heart of business every place in the world. Yeah, it's fascinating. Um, if you had the chance to give your current self some past advice, what do you think you would tell yourself? Um, travel early and travel often. Mm-hmm. Live outside your home country. Live outside the U.S. I had that experience and it was transformational, not just in going and living in France, but the experience of coming back and seeing the U.S. in a different light. And that's not talked about enough, but I tell myself study languages. My French is rusty, but it's serviceable. But I would be happy if I, I tried to study Spanish and Chinese and both of them still came out in French, no matter what I was saying. (laughs) But I would tell myself, you know, really immerse yourself, go study languages, travel, be out in the world. Yes, my Italian gets mixed up with French and Spanish if I attempt to speak it. So I generally don't. (laughs) And you reminded me of a story when I came back from France. um, In France, I, I only remember that there were policemen I don't remember any police women. Um, as, and when I came back to this country, I had an immediate account, encounter something, it was a very minor traffic stop or something with a police woman. And I could not think of how to address her ah. because I know here one says officer, but I, I kept saying, you know, I was referring to her as the, the madam police, policeman or or. The, the lady policeman, I, I just simply didn't know. I forgot in English how one did that. And I did not remember that we had female police officers here in this country, at least back then. This was a long time ago. Boy, that's a great story. <laughs> One of those moments where you're just blank, right? <laughs> I also forgot the American, the English word for trash can when I moved back from Paris because I never had to, you know, I know in French, it's poubelle, you know, take the furthest into poubelle. But I, I never had to say it in English when I lived there. So I couldn't remember t- telling my parents, how do I, you know, take, take out the poubelle or something? <laughs> <laughs> So I bet that you had maybe an experience similar to me with the French is it took me a long time and I still sometimes have to do it. If I want to figure out if it's going to be warm or cold outside, I had to go back to centigrade. Centigrade? Oh, yes. Centigrade. Yeah. Because uh, it took me a while to learn what it meant in centigrades. And then for the longest time, I couldn't figure out what Fahrenheit was. It's like Poobel trash can. I don't know. I can't figure it out. <laughs> well, I guess it's been fortunate. I've, I only deal in Fahrenheit when I've been around the world. So if people say to me it's 30 degrees, I don't know if that's hot or cold. I just look outside and figure out what the weather is. <laughs> Would be much, you know. I was raised in Fahrenheit, so that's one thing that I can't quite figure out. And I know there's a formula to do it. That's never mind. It's just that whole. There's always something that you capture in the other language and the other culture that is hard to unravel and and shift back. 
I could dream in Japanese, but I couldn't think of how to do the temperature in centigrade. <laughs> Dreaming in Japanese is very impressive. <laughs> so um, before we close, is there anything else you'd like to share with us? I think I would just go back to what we talked about is that as you think about or begin an international-based career or expansion of your business, start out by being curious mm. and knowing that there are going to be differences and letting people help you explore them and understand them. That's wonderful. And finding a colleague both in this country before you go, as well as when you arrive, perhaps. Absolutely. Who can help you. Absolutely. That's great. Well, thank you so much for all of your wonderful insights and your stories and uh, your great experiences. It's been a wonderful pleasure uh, having you with us today. Thank you very much. It's been a joy to be with you and to share some of my stories. And thank you again for inviting me. Pleasure. So this has been Philip Auerbach. Please join us next week again for another another edition of Global Gurus and their stories of international business. 